You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. And DJ, I think this is going to be a really cool episode today. What do you think? Yeah, this is uh, different for us. This is kind of a, um, a more unique episode than what we're used to doing. You know, most of the time we're talking stocks and, you know, investing and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, today we're going to be talking about investing, but in a little bit of a different way, more investing in ourselves um, and kind of our, you know, personal and professional lives and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, Mike, our goal uh, with this podcast is to kind of provide value for the whole dad, not just, you know, the investment side of things. And um, we want to kind of be able to provide value from, you know, A to Z. So uh, today we brought on Jonathan Meary. Uh, did I pronounce your last name right? Yes. There you go. It's always a, it's always a 50-50 for me. So, um, but yeah, we got Jonathan Meary, who is the founder of uh, the Rapid uh, Brands, Inc., and, you know, that is, it's kind of a multitude of different, you know, services. I'm going to kind of let you kind of describe more about that in a second. But today we're going to be kind of talking about professional growth, um, you know, kind of talking maybe some tips and tricks on how to, um, how to go get that promotion, maybe how to, uh, you know, negotiate some things and kind of just be a better, uh, you know, I guess, advocate for yourself in the professional world. So, um, Jonathan, with that being said, can you just kind of Take a minute to tell the people about yourself, about what you do and, you know, where they can find you and all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me. I was really excited to join you. I am a new fan, but I'm now a huge fan of the podcast. I was checking out your episodes online and and really enjoyed uh, hearing that. And and you mentioned the, the Rapid Brands. So I saw an opportunity and an opening in the market to help people get job promotions. So there are plenty of companies and there are plenty of opportunities for people who are unemployed or for people who want to get a job. But for those of us who are in a job, who wanna get a promotion either at the same company or a different company, that's where I founded Rapid Promotion and thought that getting the job promotion, whether it was with title or with salary, was a great opportunity and something that really wasn't uh, addressed in the market. So can you kind of tell us a little bit more about your background and kind of, I guess, what makes you qualified to talk on this stuff? Sure, sure. So I worked in corporate America for 20 years. I've lived in 10 states, so I uh, moved several times for different job promotions. And throughout the 20 year corporate career, I worked in banking, in finance, in hospitality, and in timeshare. And tremendous experience with all of them. But my real passion was coaching and mentoring members of my team. So during my career, I was a leader of teams from 10 people all the way up to 500 people. And 
I saw people who were maybe getting passed up or getting ignored and not getting their real fair share and due for the promotions and for the attention because all of us at work are so busy. We're always, you know, working with our our opportunities, our responsibilities, and sometimes really good talent gets passed up and really good talent gets ignored. Sometimes they end up leaving the company. Sometimes they just end up staying in their old positions. But I always love taking uh, associates aside, helping them, getting to know them. And really all I asked from each one of them was a strong work ethic. I could work with anyone who maybe didn't have all of the potential, but I've taught at every level from unemployed and homeless adults in Las Vegas after the 2008 crash, all the way up to graduate business school at a top 25 program. So I have worked with every level of, uh, of adults and children, and I've loved all of it. So after the 20 year career, I thought, well, with the experience that I have, why not take that into the coaching and mentoring space? And that's how I founded the Rapid Brands, which is Rapid Promotion, helping people get job promotions, and then another company called Rapid Accelerator to help leaders with dysfunctional and challenging teams. Yeah, I'm really excited about this uh, episode because I'm really trying to get that extra push to uh, steal stock dads from DJ. <laughs> it's it's going to take more than this podcast to do that, buddy. Dang it. <laughs> um, so, all right, well, I'll kind of kick it off with uh, like my first question here. And I think this is, you know, this is something that I'm super interested in because I feel like, um, you know, there have been times when I've been passed up for a promotion that I feel I deserved, um, you know, I guess putting in the time and all that kind of stuff. So, I guess in your mind, like what, what do managers look for uh, in somebody that, you know, that they're going to be promoting? Like, what do you think is like the thing you got to have? You know, in, in the past, we grew up with the expectation that after we finished school, that we would have a, a stable career. And we heard stories maybe of our parents and family that had long 20 and 30 year careers. But then right around 2000, uh, it, it happened that pensions and retirement changed and we all became free agents. And by free agent, I mean that people using social media, using different ways of networking are able to expand their networks, get to know people and move from company to company. In terms of what a, a manager looks at, I always tell my students to have a very, very live and up-to-date perspective on where they stand with their boss. So a lot of us have an annual review where we hear about what went well, what didn't go well. Unfortunately, with annual reviews, it's often too late to, uh, to fix what was going on. So expressing to a leader, to your boss, that you're interested in growing and you're interested in taking on additional responsibilities, I think is a very good way to start that conversation. Uh, starting it off with asking for more money usually is not met uh, with the best response, but asking how to grow, but also asking for feedback on how things are going. 
And sometimes we want to hear that. Sometimes it's difficult to hear, but it's very important to know where we stand with our boss. And I think that's how a lot of people get trapped into staying in their jobs too long because they think they're doing well. But if they had really had those conversations up front with their boss, they may have known that they either weren't performing very well or that there wasn't an opportunity on the team for any kind of mobility or growth. You know, it used to be that job hopping was frowned upon and people were looked at as disloyal or that could not be trusted. But there's recently been a trend and even a term where if someone stays in their role for too long, and I'll define that, that they are termed a job clinger, meaning bosses will look at them and think, well, why is this person staying in this role for so long? Why haven't they been promoted? Or do they lack some of the uh, drive and motivation to move up and to move on. So it actually can look negative on someone's resume. And, and generally, the, uh, the rule of thumb is to stay in a role for two to three years, that that allows enough time for mastery. My recommendation is throughout those two to three years to have a very good understanding of where you are, what needs to be accomplished and to use the job profile and your job requirements as a checklist so that you can understand and really be able to show that you've mastered the position. And then from there, you have the justification to ask your boss for more work and more responsibility. But two to three years in a position, think about it this way, the average annual raise is 2% to 3%, but the average raise from changing jobs is between a 10 and 20% increase in salary. Plus you'll expand your network. So the opportunity to move to a different company is, is what I'm talking about, where if you stay at the same company and on the same team, that two to 3% raise, according to Inc. Magazine, consistently remaining employed at a company for longer than two years will decrease your lifetime earnings by 50%. So I have a quick question kind of going off of that because this is something I experienced in my previous role. And I think it's something a lot of people that are just entering the workforce might come across. So when I, when I got my job, um, my first you know, big like career job out of college. I was in it for about two and a half years and I was super burnt out. The department didn't have a lot of mobility in it and there wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to like take on extra projects and stuff like that. And I started to feel like really trapped in my position, but it, I wasn't at a stage where I had a lot of, I was new to the area. I was new to the company. So I didn't have a lot of like connections in the area. I feel like it would have, I feel like for me, the best thing I could have done would to have been to get a job in a different company, but I kind of struggled with that. So I wasn't really sure how to navigate it. I felt like I couldn't really go anywhere in my current company, but if I went somewhere else, it was kind of starting over. 
So what are your thoughts on that? Do you have like any advice on how to navigate that situation effectively? Yeah, I, I understand. And, and I think a lot of people are in that position. I would recommend for anyone that, that does feel trapped where there isn't mobility to network as much as possible. And that used to mean after work networking events or you had to know the right people. Right now with social media, especially with LinkedIn, there's an opportunity to get to know people and looking at their interests on LinkedIn or even on Facebook, looking at the blogs that they're interested in and to find commonalities and to reach out directly to people that you may be interested to work with. They could be a peer where you ask what it's like to work at a particular company. Hey, I'm interested in in the company. What are your thoughts? And, And that could be after getting to know someone. Hey, I see that we know this person in common, or I see that we both enjoy a particular sport or a particular hobby or activity, but reaching out to people, people are a lot more receptive than uh, than we think when it comes to reaching out. And sometimes it's a numbers game where you uh, can, can reach out to several people, some are receptive, some aren't, but I would encourage, and, and a lot of people certainly during this pandemic have used their time at home to sit on LinkedIn, to sit on Facebook and to really, really build that network so that when it comes time where maybe you have decided that you're done with the company or that your your time is up or you're completely burnt out, that you have a network online that you have built so that you can then reach out to them and say, and, and ideally before you're completely burnt out, that you are interested in an opportunity and to work for them, to work with them. And if it's someone in your same career space, you bring a perspective from your company, you bring some great skills, And ideally, you would be very, very easy to plug and play and not need a ton of training. So that would be a move. Perhaps you identify a company that maybe has a little bit more upward mobility. I I would say to to network and to really use LinkedIn uh, is especially and Facebook is also very, very strong. And to look at interests, blogs and what kind of clubs or organizations someone belongs to and then use that commonality. Maybe a particular, you went to a school or there's a sports team and reach out to that person and try try your best to get to know them. If it's a lateral move, they want to get to know you too, because maybe they want to come to your company. Maybe you two can share ideas and thoughts, but I, I would definitely encourage that uh, networking. So, um, you know, one of the things, I mean, it's, it's the very old school, like mindset of, you know, put in your time, right. Wait your turn, you know, for these promotions and stuff. And, and you had mentioned that it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's becoming more accepted to job hop. And like, like you said, it's almost even becoming more encouraged. I feel like that's still, um, a pretty emerging thought process. Uh, and a lot of the, the leaders, you know, in, in, probably most of our organizations don't necessarily feel that way. And they kind of are based on like, Oh, well, you know, 
you've been here for two years, two or three years. Like, why do you think you deserve a promotion, you know, so soon? Like I've been here for 10 before I moved up and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, how do you navigate like that mentality and like, and, and how do you, I guess, breach those conversations with, with uh, a manager, you know, that may be kind of, you know, playing the wait your turn game, you know, rather than, I mean, I, I guess, other than leveraging another position somewhere else, because that's not always, you know, a possibility depending on the the type of work you do and how many opportunities there are and that kind of stuff. So I guess like aside from going and finding another spot and saying, well, if you don't give me a promotion, essentially I'm leaving, you know, how would you handle that type of a conversation with, with your boss? Every role has a job description and, if you have mastered every part of that job description to the satisfaction of your boss so having that role uh, description with let's say there are 10 or 15 things on there if you have mastered all of those i think there's always an opportunity to grow so that could give your boss an opportunity to say well this, this area could use a little bit more time. This area could use a little bit more time. And then from there, if they are of the very old school mindset that you have to put in your time, you know, that, that might speak to your opportunity to move up in that company. And sometimes bosses keep people on board for too long because it benefits them. Because having a really, really good person on their team is dependable and reliable and consistent for them and certainly wouldn't would never want someone to feel regret later on in their career that they stayed too long i think first expressing interest in taking on additional responsibility i think networking on on the outside I think using the job description and then asking the boss if there are any types of projects or opportunities that you can help them with. But if they're completely closed off and of the mindset that, you know, you have to to stay in your position and you feel that you've mastered it, that's that's a challenge. And that's that's definitely one that I think speaks to where you might end up in in that company and where where you might go uh if if you do have the job description and you've mastered it you could at least ask for a raise in proportion to how well you're doing on your job description i think that could that could be something that you could definitely justify using that job description that you're not just blanketly asking for a raise, but you could say, based on my mastery of all 10 of these points of the job description, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm interested or could justify a raise based on the mastery in my position and see what they say to that. And at least if, if you're not going to move up in terms of title, maybe there's an opportunity to move up in terms of salary because every every job has a range. And if you can justify that your skills are high on the range for the role, then you deserve to be paid in commensurate with that range of salary. Yeah. So that was, that was going to be my question. Um, the situation you described almost makes me feel like the issue is more with like a toxic work environment than your skills or anything like that. But so 
if you flip it and you're in a really, you know, healthy work environment, you're happy with your job, you know, you have a good relationship with your boss. For me, it would be really uncomfortable to try to like negotiate a higher salary, partly because, you know, there are times throughout the year where that's kind of like what's going to happen, you know, like there you have annual reviews and everything. But like you said, usually that's only like a 2% raise or something like that. How, how would you suggest effectively like negotiating? Is it really just looking at those descriptions and, you know, increasing your, like you said, your mastery in those levels, or is there like a way to breach that topic? Yeah, I, I advise to have that discussion, not at the beginning of the year when raises are given, but actually when the budgets are created for the next year. And that's usually in August, September and October, where the budgets for the following year are created, where the raises are built into the budget. So it's actually in those months that raises and whether that's the two or three percent annual raise or a cost of living raise, that's when those are determined. And, you know, ideally, I would love for everyone to have a weekly or biweekly ongoing dialogue with their boss so that they're not waiting for that annual review or that semi-annual review. And they're able to really know where things stand on a constant basis. I think that's helpful for the employee, but I think it's also very important for the boss to almost be put in a position where you have this eager and ready employee, you're asking for feedback. So it kind of puts them on a little bit of a hot seat to come up with something for this employee. And if you are consistently asking and they're consistently saying, no, I don't have anything. Yes, you're doing well. I think that that also speaks to it. But uh, salary negotiation is tough. And and honestly, it's my hottest topic that I uh, work with people. And, and typically, whether it's interviewing for a position to justify a higher starting salary or being able to justify that your skill set should match the salary range of the position, it's that ongoing dialogue and, and relationship and, and kind of what you said about a toxic work environment, if it is toxic, if it is wearing you down, if it is the, the kind of role that you feel drained every day, every week, you start to get you know back or neck pain on Sunday nights before you go back on Monday, that's important to know. And, and I know certainly there are a lot of financial needs right now. It's, it's not always time to jump ship and sometimes to play it safe. But I would encourage everyone to know their worth and to make sure that they are actively pursuing opportunities, especially with networking, but with a salary negotiation to really understand that there is that range and that the boss does have a lot of say into raising uh, that, that amount pretty quickly if they want to. So, you know, one of the, um, I guess, challenges that I've always run into with asking for a raise is kind of knowing, I, you don't always know the range that they're willing to pay, you know, for your position. And I guess, in, uh, other than asking like your coworkers in the same position, or I guess you could, you know, technically negotiate or network with people in similar positions in other companies, but it's always kind of 
awkward to ask somebody, you know, how much they're making and all that kind of stuff. I guess, you know, there's probably resources where you can look up like median pay for certain positions in certain areas and stuff like that. But, you know, I guess, how do you determine even what you're worth? You know what I mean? Like if you may feel like you're worth more than what your pay is, but you may already be overpaid, you know, compared to other people like you. So I guess, how do you determine that? You mentioned resources. There are three excellent resources. The first one is glassdoor.com. The second one is payscale.com. And the third one is Google. And those are tremendous sources where people do post what they made. People post what interview questions were asked of them. People post their experiences of the company. And I would encourage anyone, if they are going to start working at a company, to read some of those reviews. Take the outliers with a grain of salt, but if there are themes and consistencies in what's said about the company, I would definitely pay attention to that. But knowing the range from those sources is your best bet to really know, because HR is not going to tell you and when you apply for jobs at other companies, it's, it's now federal and state law that they are not legally allowed to ask you how much you make. So that's, that's now a, a no-no with uh, interviewing to ask a candidate how much they make. So to know your range would be those, uh, those sources. And typically the candidates receive the median or the middle uh, mean of the uh, scale. So it's it's very rare that someone is paid on the highest scale. And if you are, then, then that's a conversation that your boss has to have with you. Uh, but there's always room when someone is producing and making money for the company in the form of their work or their service, there's always money to pay them for really good employees. Yeah, because so in my experience, I know at my company, they usually try to pay you like 85 to 90% of the midpoint. And it seems really rare that anybody in a position actually gets above the midpoint at all. Is that more just like a culture thing with the company? Or is it just that we aren't negotiating or asking for raises enough? As a leader, I expected people to negotiate. And when someone did not negotiate, and I have spoken with a lot of leaders, we are actually disappointed when someone does not negotiate their salary because to us, that means that they possibly don't believe in themselves and they don't believe in their skill set enough to ask for more money. So we never saw it as as greedy to ask for more money. We saw it more as proof that we had made the right hiring decision. And here's someone that has a great set of skills. They believe in themselves. They're confident and they are able to justify their amount versus someone that took the first available number. Well, hmm, I wonder how in need that person is in their industry if they're willing to take the first number that we give them. So to all of the dads, I would definitely encourage them to negotiate. I think it's it's a very healthy way to start a relationship. I, it, it can, and it's it, 
it's a bit awkward, but it's a it's an important conversation, and it also gives an insight into the relationship that you may have with your boss. A good boss will respect and appreciate you standing up for yourself. A boss that may not turn out to be so great, if they're nasty or if they don't like that you're asking for more money, then maybe that's that's a sign of things to come. So, um, how much do I mean in your experience? How much do um, degrees and certifications and stuff like that like come into play with stuff like this? I mean, is it especially? I guess this could be a two-part question. One, like if you're hiring somebody new off the street, you know, and you're just looking at their resume and then two, somebody who's worked for you um, already and looking for a promotion that's doing like continuing education and stuff like that on their own. Like how is that impactful to you? Is it is it kind of obsolete and like a waste of their time to be doing that kind of stuff? And what are your thoughts? It used to be a gatekeeper for roles and it was a way for companies to determine whether someone was eligible or ineligible. Now, with the number of schools, with the number of degrees, and with some schools inflating grades, so is a 3.5 or a 4.0 at one school better than a 2.5 or a 3.0 at a different school? Very, very difficult to tell. So decreasing importance to uh, the the roles of positions. Now, if it's something that requires very special skill sets, then that's going, or, or some sort of certification, then that's going to be very important. But it used to be a way for people to show their commitment at, to education and their commitment to bettering themselves. But now with online education, with certifications with starting businesses. There's so many ways that you can prove how focused, how committed you are to a job that it it definitely is a a decrease. Uh, I had several people who came up with tremendous stories. For example, if someone was uh, going and, and interviewing for a customer service role, whether they had been in a customer service position before that used to really matter. And that was huge. You know, if you, if you haven't had the job before, it was very difficult to get the job. Now there's so many ways that we serve customers. I had someone who was an Uber and a Lyft driver who had a 4.96 rating from 4,000 drives. Well, that person knows something about customer service. And that person definitely knows, you know, good, bad, and every type of customer, and they've dealt with them night, day, weekends, and that person got a very, very good customer service role uh, on my team because of that experience with uh, driving Uber and Lyft. So I think as long as someone tells a compelling story of and connects that experience, and if it was a degree from school, sometimes that's, that's not always seen because maturity comes in different forms. And if someone has battled it out through jobs, through starting a business, through different roles, that is usually seen now in the workplaces as more mature and more capable than someone that comes in with a four-year degree. So what um, what is like one of the biggest obstacles you see with people trying to move up or like what's a big no-no that you see people do a lot that they really shouldn't be. Do you have any like main no-nos that you see? Yeah, I think some people 
have the idea of networking inside of their company. And there are certain ways to go about that. I think having a conversation with your boss first is very, very important. And I, I would encourage that. And if you are going to network within your company, so let's say that there are other divisions in the company, to let your boss know that you are interested in those other divisions. And yes, that that could be a bit uncomfortable, but it's a whole lot better and less uncomfortable than having a leader from another division call your boss and say, hey, I met I met Mike, I met Jonathan, and he said that he's ready to leave. That's that's tougher than telling your boss, you know, I might might be interested in uh, in another division. Would you support my candidacy? And asking them from there, so that that usually creates a, a difficult situation. Uh, also, there are a lot of people that have some questionable social media posts. So I would definitely say to clean up social media. And I'm also seeing that companies are looking at what people liked in terms of very inflammatory videos or very inflammatory posts and trying to figure out what uh, things about the person based off of what they have subscribed to, what they have subscribed to online, what kind of blogs, what kind of posts, because companies are so worried and worked up right now about uh, you know HR-related type ethics and diversity matters. So anything that, that can make you come in as a very neutral candidate that, that doesn't have any dirt on them, I, I would say definitely uh, so. The networking within the company and then cleaning up social media, I think, are, are two things that I see that uh, that really harm chances, one for an internal candidate and one for an external candidate. Better gotcha. be careful, DJ, with those uh, stock dads bands. <laughs> <laughs> I go in, I go on Facebook jail probably like once a month or something. For some Another thing with uh, with interviews, if think about if if you're a boss and you're interviewing several candidates. Now, as, as a manager, you have your own job, you're worried about your own job, you're sinking and you're trying to hire someone that's really good to join your team. You need them and they need you. But in your interview, where your boss or where the boss is talking to you, that boss may be distracted. He may, he or she may be thinking about the meeting afterwards, what's gonna go on at home that night, anything and everything could be on their mind. So my advice would be to be as memorable as possible in a way that is professional, but also to let your own personality come out. If you know from social media that you have a common interest or you bring up something that you really enjoy or you tell a great story, that will resonate with someone in an interview and that will make you a lot more memorable so that when it comes time to discuss candidates and you know, the group sits around and they talk about the 10 or 20 people that they interviewed. If you've just told a really compelling story or you've linked yourself to something that they 
themselves enjoy, that will really, really stand out in their minds and help you to stand apart from the rest of the crowd that comes in with a very kind of bland version of themselves. They kind of spit their uh, experience out and then they leave. That unfortunately is forgettable at times for bosses versus someone that's made and and a, a positive experience and a positive impact. But uh, if you could tell a good story or if you have a good adversity story, I had someone that uh, told me about a time that they were on a hike and got lost and how they related it to uh, handling tough situations and handling pressure. I remembered that. And that that definitely stayed with me and did, uh, helped them, help them get the job. Did they tell you that they fell into a cave and had to cut their arm yeah, off? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like that guy who chewed his arm off. <laughs> if they're willing to do that and if they're willing to work for us, then they can, they can join us. Yeah, right. Oh, man. So um, everybody listening, if you're really struggling to get a job, just self mutilation is uh, <laughs> yeah. is an option. <laughs> Cut off a limb and tell them that you had to do it to survive in the wilderness, yeah. and then you know it'll really show them a lot. Um, okay, so I got probably one more question, then we'll wrap it up, and we can ask more in the Q and A session. But um, so going back to my situation where I told you that I had been passed up for interview, or for promotions in the past, right? So in my situation, I mean, I feel like even hearing what you've talked about like i feel like i've done all of that and more right i mean i've done everything i possibly can to put myself in the right position right but i'm on a team with you know 13 other people that are you know in my same role and they're all gunning for you know that promotion to the next spot right so let's you know corporate politics aside right let's not even talk about like what i could have done differently you know let's talk about how i respond to not getting it okay so I don't get the promotion. All right. Now, what, what would you recommend be my next step? I mean, it can't possibly just be like, oh, well, I don't get a promotion. Go look for another job. Right. I mean, it could be that. That could be the answer depending on the situation. But the other you know, side of it is like, maybe I do work for a great company. Maybe I do work for, and it, it just wasn't my time. Right. So how do you suggest, I guess, wrapping your head around the fact that even despite your best efforts, you didn't get it? And how do you go about putting yourself in a, the best spot to be ready for the next one? Do you know why you were passed up or specifically what you did not have or maybe haven't mastered yet to get that? Um, so, yeah, so those questions are asked and um, there weren't really, I mean, it was, they're pretty vague beat around the bush answers, you know, very like, Oh, you've done everything you can. Like it's just, you know, they're just so many people and only one can get promoted type of a thing. You know, like there was not really any clear, you know, I guess feedback as to what could have been done differently or whatever. And, and, and that to me in the, in the beginning was very frustrated because or frustrating because I'm like, well, if I did everything that I should have, then why didn't I get it? Obviously there's something that that person did that I didn't, you know what I mean? Or, or something along those lines. So I guess, how do you wrap your head around it or what do you do? What do you suggest? I have recommended that when someone is passed up, that they first of all ask and understand why they were passed up to look for some detail and then to ask that leader for 
help and for you to you yourself to create it but some sort of action plan or some sort of learning guide to get you to that level where you need to be if they're not willing to give you details and if they're not willing to help you to make up the difference then if you're still happy with where you are if you want to stay i i personally would encourage you to start building your network so that you may not want to leave now you may not want to leave in one or two years but when you do decide to leave that you already have a network that's that's built up and sometimes there are jobs that are not posted that may be coming down the pipe in six months or 12 months or two years and if you start networking with the right people they can keep you in mind when jobs not are just posted but when things are created and uh, there's an opportunity coming that they say, oh, okay, we, you know, remember this, this great candidate, he's been in touch with us for a little while. And yeah, I think he would be a, a good candidate for, uh, for this upcoming position to come in. As far as speaking to your boss, when they've been very vague, have they come back with any type of specifics or advice on anything that you can change or do better than you're currently doing? Hmm. I mean, like kind of, but it's, uh, it's not, not really, to be honest, but, um, you know, that maybe I just do stock dads full time, you know, maybe that's the answer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If any of my bosses are listening, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no nice save but, dj nice thanks. save see this is that thing that you're talking about man that social media is gonna get me in trouble we're gonna go go interview at another place and somebody like i'm a big stocks and sandals fan and you uh you're you know talking some some crazy on your on your podcast no um no i mean it's just kind of a it, you know, i think it's just a difficult situation that a lot of people probably find them in is is find themselves in is you know feeling like they've capped out what they're able to do and then you know when they don't get it you know for me like initially my my response was to kind of shut down and be like well i'm, I'm not going to give you more you know what i mean like if if that wasn't enough then i'm not going to give you more which i think is the wrong mindset you know i think that's you know but it's natural and it's 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 what happens with a lot of us where we're frustrated or we're disappointed and when things are not coming together and in your case when things are vague that's really easy to uh, to feel that way yeah and i feel like that could happen a lot because from my perception of dj's situation it was like he was a really good candidate and there was one other really good candidate and it was like a difficult decision on management's part on who to take and it was probably a really close call and so I think the situation. Yeah, I mean, like I that. think there were there there were probably you know like a solid handful of people that were like definitely could be considered, and I think that it probably was narrowed down to two to three. And I feel like you know I I don't know, but I I felt like I was right there, you know. And and I when I sit down and I list out everything that I had done to to put myself in the position, you know, I had those conversations. I want to grow. I went and I got my. MBA on my own dime, you know, to, to give myself, you know, a, 
a better understanding of the business side of things, which is the role that I would be moving into. Um, you know, I went to all the different department heads in our entire organization and set up monthly mentoring meetings with them to just get to know them better, learn, you know, more about their department so I could understand the, you know, the overarching, um, you know, how the company functions outside of my department so that I could be a better collaborator with other departments in this new role. You know, I mean, I had done literally, um, I mean, if you, if you, if I sat down and I listed everything that I had done and then I look at the person who got it and, and the person who got it is, is great too. But you, you look at the things that, that that person had done, it, it didn't even come close to comparing, you know, so it felt political or it felt, you know, like, um, like they were just better at, uh, you know, maybe collaborating Shrewsen. with, maybe collaborating with the right people. If that's, you know, if that's kind of the way to say it. So, I mean, it's one of those situations where, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the vibe that I felt is that there was no justifiable reason other than the fact that um, this person had maybe networked better, like you said, you know, maybe they networked better with the right people. Um, and I had networked with the wrong, not necessarily the wrong people, but not the right ones enough. You know, I think it's a difficult situation to be in. I'm sure other people listening have found themselves in the those situations too, where they feel like you just can't give anymore. And at some point, I think you have to, to realize that, you know, maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, then maybe, you know, maybe you need to start finding something that, that take care to take care of yourself a little better. Yeah. And by asking for any kind of extra responsibility, it's not in, in my mind. And, and when I advise that, it's not necessarily just to take on additional work, but it's a it's a way to come at and to justify the raise and to justify the promotion, not just the sake of doing extra work, but to be able to say, look, you know, I've done this, I took on this, I've done this, therefore, I I feel that you know this raise or at least this uh, salary increase is justified. Have have they and you know, this have they offered to expand the role into or could could you possibly take, let's say that you are in a position to add the word senior or junior or something in front of it and then expand it and then kind of move the move the salary that way? Is that no, no, that no. I I you know, it's kind of like a perpetual carrot dangling thing, you know, where it's like, well you know, there's going to be more of these positions opening up in the future. We're a growing company, you know, we're, we're a leader in our industry, which is an emerging industry, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that, the, you know, the typical, like your time will come type of conversations and just, you know, be patient and keep doing what you're doing and get more involved and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that it's just the, you know, the same old thing that, you know, time after time that people run into and stuff. And I think that that's one of the situations that I think people should try to, you know, from having this conversation with you is try and avoid maybe sticking around long enough to find yourself in, in situations like that, because maybe there are better opportunities elsewhere where you're valued and, um, you know, where you can move up the chain. And, and maybe that's why this, the job hopping for lack of a better word, I think that's such a negative term, but I think, like you said, you know, jumping from, you know, this job to this job, right now is in this day and age where everything is instantaneous, right? Like, I mean, 
social media, everything's at the touch of our hands, you know, like we can get information in two seconds, you know, whereas back in the days when, you know, some of our leadership and stuff were, you know, going through their ranks, you know, it was a little bit different, right? You had to put in that time, you had to put in the, the hours and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the more we grow and the, the further into the future we get, the more we need to start, you know, thinking of like, who's the best person for this job, not who's been around the longest, not to mention that I was also the, the longest tenured employee too. So again, just another, <laughs> you know, one of those situations, but Hey, you know, maybe there's more to it than I don't know. And, but then it's like, Hey, give me the feedback. The trap that I also see, and this this could be the uh, the issue the issue or the challenge with you is that you are so good at your role that your boss does not want to risk losing you and bringing someone else into your role that's not as good as you. So, from a very selfish perspective, because you have taken on so much, because you are so valuable to your boss, your boss may be acting very selfishly by not wanting to risk bringing someone else in that doesn't do the work that you do for the amount of money that you're willing to accept. Also kind of a, a yeah. nasty way to think about it, but that's, uh, that's, I've, I've seen it. Well, Mike, do you got any other questions? Cause we can go down this rabbit hole for hours. I'm sure. <laughs> feel like I should, I should save your career and, and stop <laughs> yeah, I, it. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like uh, somebody's going to listen to this and I'm going to be fired on, you know, Wednesday of next week, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll add something that, uh, is, is kind of a, a different perspective, but I was listening to a, a different podcast after I listened to yours after and there you there's go the plug, after, yeah. exactly <laughs> after afterwards and there are several books written by palliative care and nursing home and and different people who talk to those who are close to moving on in their life and 90 percent in this one book 90 percent of them said that they regret not living more authentically to what they wanted and what they believed. So in in this case, you know, I, I certainly respect your hustle, respect your ambition. I just would never want someone to regret later on in life that they traded time for money, but they could have grown or could have expanded, or I wish I would have moved on sooner. So right. that's you know, looking at it from from a different perspective, but one I think that that is important. Of course, having the stable job and and salary right now, and and trying and trying, but uh, kind of like maybe the girlfriend that we all had that didn't work out so well, and finally we uh, broke up and met someone that's even better. You know, maybe, hopefully there's there's something out there uh, for you where you could be even happier. Yeah, maybe stock dads is that thing. You know, it's just pump this thing up to be a multi-million dollar company. And then, uh, you know, we're good. CEO. There you go. There's a promotion for me. There right. You there you <laughs> Congratulations on the CEO role. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. All right. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up with the, uh, with our dad portion of the show. So, uh, um, we always do some dad jokes, uh, Jonathan, what, uh, what do you got for us? I, I know you came prepared, right? I did. What is the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? What? I don't, I don't know. The people in Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but the people in Abu Dhabi do. 
god. I like the enthusiasm you put yeah, in it. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty solid. That was solid. I like it. Thank you. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Uh, okay. So why does a mermaid wear seashells? Mm, I don't know. Because she outgrew her bee shells. Nah. <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice uh okay well i'll go you know um I'm just, i got so many oh he's stewing on it i got so many to choose from here okay um all right this is let's let's go with this one what do you call a hen that stares at a salad ah i messed it up i messed it up dang it what was it what do you call a hen that stares at lettuce and then it's chicken Caesar salad? <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good one. <laughs> I like that. Dang it. I messed it up. Oh, Sorry, I, I wouldn't have guessed it. <sighs> I know. I know. Just, right, let's so have another let, one. Let's have let's, another one. Let's go another one. Read here. it very carefully this time. <laughs> okay. Um. I got to do better about deleting the ones I've used before because I don't remember which ones I I've used. I did that too, yeah. Okay, all right. What do you call a train carrying bubble gum? Chew something. Chew, chew. A choo-choo train. <laughs> uh, I'm so good at this. <laughs> you ruined the punchline, man. Sorry. You're supposed to pretend like you don't know. If I guess it right, I'm going to guess it, dude. That's That sh- shows my growth as a non-dad. It does show your growth as a non-dad. John, you were uh, you were mentioning, you know, old girlfriends and finding, you know, the the one and the better one. Mike Mike hasn't experienced yeah. that yet. So Hurt we deep. got <laughs> cut him a little deep there. They're out there though. She's out there. <laughs> yeah. All right. He hasn't well, uh, been fortunate enough to find you yet. Yeah, there you there you go. She, there it is. She's yeah. She's, she's probably is, listening. uh yeah half of mike's tinder dates are probably listening right now so (laughs) um okay so jonathan wrap us up tell the people where they can find you and uh you know how they can connect with you if they wanted to uh utilize the rapid brand inc absolutely well thank you guys I, i really really enjoyed this you know so much of life is a numbers game and getting rejected or denied from any job is difficult but as someone very wise said no one remembers the 35 percent of game-winning shots that michael jordan missed they only remember the ones that were made so apply network reach out to hiring managers put yourself out there and you are worth it to someone very special that deserves you. So even if you are between jobs, even if you are looking for another job, there's something out there that, uh, that's, that's worth waiting for and that's worth working for. So my website is rapidpromotion.com. I help a lot of people at, at every level with job promotions. And it's, it's really been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank, thank you. you for coming on for sure. Uh, we'll make sure to include some uh, links in our show notes that you can find Jonathan at. And uh, 
if you guys aren't already, uh, make sure you follow the Stock Dads Facebook group. Jump in there. Um, you know, also check out our Instagram, and uh, we also have a Discord, which we are uh, recording this live for our um, premium subscribers right now. And we're about to wrap it up and do a Q and A session for for the people that are watching live right now, so they can have some premium access to ask Jonathan some of their own questions that we didn't get to. Um, but yeah, thank you guys as always for the support. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please make sure to uh, download the episode. Uh, maybe leave us a you know a five star review or something if you like it. If you don't like it, just you know don't don't review it, just, please. <laughs> or still just leave a five star review. Yeah, that's that's fine too. You know that's yeah. fine. Um, no, but we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. But thanks again, Jonathan and uh, Mike. You got what do you got going on the rest of the night? Uh, Stock Dad's Q and A session. Oh, nice plug. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're out. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.